0: You're listening to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Brought to you by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us on the web at puresexradio.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan, and we have back with us again Troy Haas. So, Troy, thank you for being with us again.
1: Uh, great to be with you.
0: Yeah, well, before we jump into Troy's story, uh, or kind of actually getting to this process of recovery, because we heard his story last time, uh, and we really want to unpack this whole process of restoration, both as an individual and then also as uh, maybe if you're in a relationship. But I want to remind you listeners, as we do every now and then, that we're a listener-supported broadcast. And what that means is the only way that you're hearing my voice is because we've had faithful monthly partners that come alongside and choose to partner with us in ministry. And we're so grateful for that. And as we approach the end of this year, uh, we really rely heavily on uh, folks in their year-end giving. So if you'd like to make Pure Sex Radio part of your year-end giving, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Troy, I'd love for us to uh, kind of um, come right back where we left off, which was dealing with the issue of restoration and because, uh, you know, you had your personal sort of story of recovery, and we could even unpack that a little bit more because we didn't get into a whole lot of details about, man, what was that like for your wife? What was that like for you in terms of learning all of these basic principles of accountability and community and confession and honesty and all of that? So why do you, um you... Uh, fill out a little bit more of what occurred in your own story. But then I'd love for us to unpack these key principles for restoration.
1: Absolutely. You know, um, uh, as I kind of ended with last time, to me, this, the, the, the bedrock of the restoration process is honesty. Uh, I've got to be honest with myself first and foremost. Before I've lied to anyone else, I've lied to myself. I've got to get honest with myself then I need to be honest with God and honest with those that are around me. And that's a very difficult process. And, you know, from the, uh, from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve, there was this, this uh, uh, desire plan uh, for God to put us together so that we could be uh, naked and not ashamed. And mm-hmm. what that means is we're just we're completely open. We're completely honest. And there's, there's a connection there that, that isn't marred by fear and secrecy and shame. And so very early on, I began to realize that the thing that had kept me trapped more than anything else was secrecy. And so, as I mentioned last time, my kind of mantra is secrecy kills, honesty heals. And beginning to get honest with everyone in my life that I needed to get honest with. And that involved absolutely certainly my wife and being fully honest with her, doing full disclosure, letting her ask the questions within the context of a safe counseling session uh, that she had so that she could really, you know, she can't forgive what she doesn't know. Right. And in order for our relationship to be restored, there's gotta be forgiveness, but she can't grant forgiveness if she doesn't know what she's forgiving. So honesty was really the bedrock piece of, of that restoration process for me. And then I think the next piece for me was what, you know, what I'm going to call relational restoration. And that involved going to people, again, started with my wife, but there were others in my life that had been impacted by my sin, by my secrecy. Uh, And so there were colleagues and co-workers, uh, both on the mission field and here in the States. There were pastors at churches that had allowed me to speak in their pulpit. Uh, And then probably some of the most difficult conversations were were my parents and Melissa's parents, uh, Melissa's siblings. Those were very difficult conversations. But the, the, the whole idea of I've got to do what I am supposed to do in relationship to um, confession and and uh, making amends mm-hmm. in those relationships. And so what I did is I, I practically sought them out in terms of uh, I, I wanted to meet face to face wherever possible. But I would write notes, uh, uh, emails or letters saying, you know, hey, you know what's happened? I'm so very sorry. Uh, but I really would like to talk to you face to face. And if they were willing, uh, I would go to them. So, so I, this actually took about a year plus uh, as I traveled around the country talking to folks and meeting missionaries in airports and that sort of thing. But to sit down face to face, eye to eye, heart to heart, and just own, own what I had done, own the, the the secrecy that kind of impacted our relationship to to realize these folks, they thought they knew me. They thought they were my friends and to realize there's this huge piece of me that I had hidden from them, to hear me own that was very helpful to restore those relationships. Uh, And, you know, sometimes those relationships, they're going to be forever different. But the fact that there's nothing there now uh, that hasn't at least been laid on the table, honestly discussed, uh, and then giving them the freedom to grant forgiveness when they were ready to grant forgiveness uh, so those those pieces uh, were hugely important. I think the, the the next piece I'd say, Jonathan, was just my relationship with God. I had been going to church ever since I had gotten out of jail and become a follower of Christ, and for the most part, the bulk of my Christian life, every time I was in church, I was the speaker, I was mm-hmm. preaching that Sunday, and so just to be able to go and worship and 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 enjoy God's presence and 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 worship together with other believers was somewhat of a foreign experience for me. And so it took me a while just to kind of set that baggage aside and recognize that that before I was a minister, before I was a preacher, before I did things in service of God, I was a child of God, and I was a follower of God, and that that needed to be restored. And so uh, for, for finding that safe place to kind of get into small group and get into worship uh, was very, very important. In my relationship with God and then just being honest with God about some of the things that had happened to me and and talking with him about those things not only did I kept them secret for everyone else I had tried to keep them secret from God even though he knew them all and so just working on trying to understand and realize how I can authentically relate to God and completely relate to God uh, not through what I did for him but how I I talked and listened and interacted with him. And that that was a hugely important piece. And then as we began to work, so so this process that I'm walking through with, with myself, with God, and with those closest to me involves me being honest and me taking responsibility and me making amends. And then as that goes forward in my relationship with my wife in particular, there's this huge issue, and this would become... Also, Jermaine uh, uh, with others as well, but first and foremost, my wife, this whole issue of trust. Right. Um, you know, she forgave me, but rightfully so, she didn't trust me. And so, Jonathan, I set out early on in my life to, to do several things that were important to rebuild trust with her. And one of those was to take initiative. So many of us guys that struggle with sexual brokenness and sexual sin— We were very, very passive, especially in our relationships. And so taking the initiative to say, you know what, these things I think would help Melissa Uh, and not for the purpose of rebuilding trust, but to protect her heart. Uh, And I would go to her and I would ask her, you know, sweetheart, what can I do today to help protect your heart? What can I do to, to, to serve you and to keep you from feeling afraid and anxious? And just as a practical example, for example, one of the things I did is for, for many months after we first began our recovery, Jonathan, I would not leave the house alone Mm -hmm. because what Melissa had come to realize is every time I left the house, I was going to act out. Yeah. And so now I didn't want her to think when I leave the house, I wonder if Troy's going to be okay. I wonder if Troy's going to be safe. And instead of demanding that she trust me, I took the step to say, you know what? I'm just not going to leave alone. And so I'm going to go with her. I'm going to go with my kids. I'm going to go with a buddy. Uh, And sometimes that was inconvenient. Sometimes I'd want to go to the gym and I didn't have a buddy to go with me. Well, I just didn't go to the gym at that point. And I did that not just so that she would trust me again. I did that more so to protect her heart and to help her feel safe. But those sort of actions, me taking the initiative uh, and me asking her what she needed, were were huge pieces of rebuilding trust in our marriage relationship. And to be be honest, Jonathan, it it took a long time because— Trust rebuilding as a part of that process takes a long time. And, and there were ups and there were downs. There were days where she felt safe and trusted uh, me. There were days when she felt uh, insecure. There were days that I was doing great. There was days I felt discouraged and distracted or overwhelmed. And learning to be honest about that. So I guess I'd say this, Jonathan, that secrecy kills honesty, heals peace is more than just disclosing the stuff the simple right. uh, sexual things I've done, it involves this lifestyle of authentically relating to my wife and to others where I'm talking about what's going on inside of me. So for example, accountability is so incredibly important. I mean, when I moved to Atlanta, one of the reasons I started the walking free support groups was because I moved to the huge, great, awesome city of Atlanta. And there's not a single support group for men who struggle with sexual addiction. And I knew I had been, in groups with Russell Willingham at New Creation Ministries in Fresno, Texas. I knew the importance of group, and I I knew that was a non-negotiable to have those relationships with men in my life, but there wasn't anything there. So I started something because I knew I needed that. And what I needed more so than just a place to confess if I was struggling or a place to confess if I had slipped, what I needed was a place where I could be known and I could talk about what was really going on inside of me, that the restoration process involves being honest today about what 's happening in me today, and so often guys get confused about what accountability really is and what it really means to authentically relate to other men
0: yeah so uh, we've got a lot to unpack there. Um, one of the things that I wanted to sort of go back to uh, before you started getting into some of the relational stuff with your wife because it's all good i mean obviously there's a huge that trust issue is huge. Yeah. But the issue when you started talking about taking responsibility dealing with some um you know the some of the amend making process some of these kinds of things a lot of what you were talking about there was within that ownership piece, which obviously okay. theres a sense of coming to the realization listen i'm if I stay on this trajectory that I'm on, I'm not only going to destroy my life I'm going to continue to destroy other people's lives, okay. and you own that, but I want to get your input on the restoration process as we look into our histories and deal with the very real realities of the, the wounds that have been inflicted onto us yes. and the brokenness that was passed down to us, yes. because that's another very real part of this. And because when you were talking about going kind of on your, your apology tour right. and, and going around to all these people, absolutely. The first thing that popped into my head was, okay, that's dealing with people that I know that essentially I have then offended yeah. them. But I'm thinking there's a very different tack that you probably need to take when you think about the people that have offended you. It's not necessarily always healthy to say, I need to write down this list of names and then go yeah. personally to everybody that's abused me. It's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. So talk a little bit about what restoration looks like from our histories, from the things that were dumped into our lives or the wounds that were inflicted upon us.
1: Absolutely. You know, uh, to to me the most important piece of that uh, is to just be honest with myself about what happened. Oh, uh, these things happened, and and it's not necessary to even assign blame, but to just be honest and, and look at that and say, you know what, this happened and this hurt, and then at that point, I prayerfully just kind of asked God uh, as I wrote all that down and I laid all that out and I looked at that. Okay, what am I supposed to do with that? Because you know, making amends is important. Uh, but we also have to be careful because we don't want to, you know, we don't hurt others in the process of our making amends. So there were people on that list, Jonathan, that I was able to go to, and I was able to sit down and, and really what I did is I didn't go to them and say, you know, listen, you did this and that's caused me to have a screwed up life. But what I did is say, I just want you to know, this is what I experienced. And, um, This hurt. uh, And I'm not looking for anything from you. I just want to tell you this happened and this is how I felt and this is how it impacted me. So I'm giving them the freedom to respond however they want to. I'm not going with an expectation or a demand, even how they respond. And many of those folks responded in in very encouraging and helpful and hopeful ways. Uh, And, you know, some of them kind of owning, you know what? Uh, that was a bad spot in my life. And you know what? This is what God's done since then and, and, and such. But there were, there were some folks I couldn't go to talk to because either they were gone, they were dead, or they were just unreachable, or it just wouldn't have been wise or safe to go talk to them. And for those people, I was still able to to kind of ride out and even with a counselor do some exercises that allowed me to to get those things out, what I might say to them if they were sitting here in front of me. And being able to do that um, allowed me to let go of those things. You know, forgiveness Mm -hmm. is really about taking something that you feel is owed you and saying, you know what, you don't owe me anything for that. There's no debt here. Uh, And so as I granted forgiveness to those folks, whether I could talk to them or not, I was able to honestly say, you know what, I'm going to I'm not going to hold this against you. I'm not going to hold this in debt. I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of this. Um, And that experience of letting go of those hurts done to me, uh, even if I couldn't talk to the folks, but letting go of that hurt, letting go of that debt debt was hugely freeing uh, in my heart. And then the other thing I'd say about that, Jonathan, is one of the beautiful things about doing what we do in ministry uh, to others is it's helped me see really a big part of what people go through and I've realized this. I would do anything if given an opportunity. There's no, there's no bottom to our darkness. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to give grace to someone else who has sinned against you um, is a beautiful opportunity because I've been given much grace myself. I've been forgiven much. And it's really helped me to be able to see things from their perspective and to recognize that it was out of their brokenness that they did what they did to me and to be able to forgive them and have compassion on them because of that.
0: Yes, yeah, so I wanna I wanna keep talking about this the kind of the issue of restoration overall and I really want us to keep honing in a little bit here on the individual because um you know, I think one of the things that I've seen in ministry over the years, I experienced it in my own life, is early on when you're entering that sort of the early stages of recovery or restoration or just kind of pursuing a a different path of trying to say, I, I want to live differently than I right. have lived before. I want to live free from these shackles of, you know, pornography, addiction, Absolutely. or whatever else. What I've seen is the tendency to keep the fundamental paradigm in place, which is still have me in the center. Yeah. And so all I'm trying to do is shift the environment. And so I'm saying, hey, I want to, and, and this is how I've seen it. And I'd love to get your reaction to this. How mm-hmm. I've seen it play out is Okay, you're you've been in the environment of your addiction, which certainly you have yourself completely in the center. Everything's got to revolve around you. You're essentially you're kind of a god unto yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it's it's surrounded with all these negative, hurtful, harmful behaviors. And then what happens is the, the guy will take that exact same paradigm and move it into just the new environment of recovery. Right. And so now we've got maybe healthier things around us. But that fundamental paradigm, essentially, you know, you see it all the time yeah. when a guy comes into a group and it's basically like, hey, what are you guys going to do for me? You yeah. know, <laughs> and how long is this so,
1: going to take and hurry up and get me fixed?
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about what's really necessary to break up that paradigm that really is the, the really that's the issue that we're dealing yeah. with, not Agreed. the behavior.
1: I, I talk about that in terms I call it self-obsession and You're absolutely right. When we come to the table with our sexual brokenness, our world has revolved around us. It's a very selfish thing. It's a very self-focused thing. And so I like to talk about it in terms of self-obsession. And the other thing I see happen a lot in guys, there's there's, there's this deep sense of immaturity. So, you know, whether you're stuck at 14 or 16 or 18, you're very immature in the way you think, the way you relate to yourself and others. And also you're very self-obsessed. And so beyond being honest about what you've done, being honest about that piece and, 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 you know, saying, you know what, I, I've, I've only cared about me and I haven't cared about the ways I've heard her. As you know, guys say, well, I don't want to tell my wife cause it's going to hurt her. You've already hurt her. And, and by lying, you're going to continue to hurt her. The reason you don't want to tell her is because you're trying to protect you because yeah. you don't want to suffer the consequences of her anger or, or such from, from being honest with her. And so, What, 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 what I had to do is just be intentional about finding ways to take myself out of the center of my world and put others there. And so serving others, not in a ministry way, because I think that's a dangerous path as well, but serving others, uh, you know, around my home and becoming a servant to my wife or, or becoming a servant to my kids or, or, you know, being, being there for other people and, and. Um, listening to them and um, connecting with them in a way that, 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 that encourages them, not just, you know, trying to connect with them in a way that, that helps me or encourages me. And and yet that's very hard because you're right. We've lived our entire lives kind of focused on us. And uh, you know, the, 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 the the bulk of what we do in the context of sexual addiction is very much about us and very much self gratifying uh, no matter what direction it takes. And so, Consciously fighting against that, consciously looking for ways to to be kind and gracious and serve one another or serve others uh, is, is a constant battle that has to be fought. And the recognize that I can't be obsessed with me. I can't keep me in the center of all this uh, because you're right. Eventually, um, I'll end up back. And that's why I think a lot of guys end up back. They never deal with that. Yeah. I'm at the center of all this and I need to, to deal with me.
0: I was talking with a guy uh, just uh, the other day and um, he had gone through our gateway to freedom workshop and we, we do check-ins and regularly with him for the following six months after they get right. out of the workshop and we're just talking with him. And one of the things that had come up in that conversation was just this idea that he was recognizing, I think he was about three or four months out, out of the workshop, recognizing that the necessity for good counsel And authentic community were not something that were just seasonal in order to get to a particular destination where it's like, okay, I'm fixed and everything's good. He was recognizing, oh, even if it doesn't always look the same for the rest of my life, I need good counsel and I need authentic community in my life as a way of life. And that's a huge, I think to me, that meant he was starting to recognize what it takes to break up this paradigm of saying, really, it just got all be focused on me and get me where I want to go
1: my my absolute favorite quote in the world there's a gentleman by the name of earl wilson um, and uh, he wrote a book uh, called restoring the fallen but he also wrote a book called steering clear and in that book steering clear earl says basically this a man isolated and alone without others around him can think anything he wants and not be confused by reality that I think is the very core of what you're talking about there. I've got to let others in. I can't trust me. Um, and and even this day, 18 plus, almost 19 years into my recovery journey, I still don't trust me. And I will always want folks around me to be able to speak into and challenge my thinking and challenge my choices uh, because I know if left to me, I'm going to get back up on the throne. I'm going to make it about me. I'm going to get back in the center. And the only way that I can combat that for the rest of my life is allowing others to see that part of me and allowing others to speak into that part of me. And that's why accountability, uh, is, is, is important, but it's gotta be accountability, not just about behaviors. You know, did you masturbate this week? Did you look at porn this week? Uh, that, That that's important. But what's more important is, you know, what are you thinking and how are you looking at yourself and, and what are you doing internally that may be pushing you down a particular road that in the end, you're not going to want to go down.
0: Yeah. You know, we even in recent years, we even modified, you know, cause we have in our groups, what we do is we, we've got check-in time, you know, it's yeah. like, listen, well, we need to check in. And so we have these, we have a handful of, of questions. They're strategic right. questions. Well, I realized a few years ago that our questions you know, this is the way that the the unintentional outcomes can occur when yeah. you you know you want to see a person go towards freedom, and then you realize, oh, you know what? Some of the things we have in place are keeping them entrenched in a self-centered paradigm. And yeah. I realized that a lot of our questions that we were asking were still surrounded surrounding behavior and blah, blah, blah all that kind of stuff. And so, only one of the questions is a confession question. Right. The other questions are, um, in fact, even one of the the very first. Um, question that we ask is, how many days of sexual integrity did you offer to God this week? So it shifts the paradigm away from the line of failure, Love being that. able to say, no, what are we wanting to be? We're wanting to be men of integrity. So let's actually check in on that. But all the other questions have to do with, you know, what did you bring to build up your brothers this week? Um, what small steps did you take to strengthen your relationships? And what acts of service did you do? All of those are outward focusing because we want to we want Absolutely. to shift that paradigm away and what we've seen is when guys catch on to that idea of oh life is not all about me and my desires and my wants then i we feel like they catch a momentum in the recovery and restoration that is really um from from god
1: yeah and 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 i i wholeheartedly agree with that i think i think shifting that. And then I think the other piece that's important in the midst of all that is when we do talk about um, behaviors, let's not just talk about, hey, I I did this this week. I slipped and did this. But let's talk about what led up to that. What was going on inside? What were the triggers? What were the emotions? Let's talk about where that's emanating from as opposed to just I did it or I didn't do it. And if I didn't do it, what were the things that I was intentionally doing uh, again, under the surface, that allowed me to uh, not choose to go that direction. Yeah,
0: and I, I always I often put it in these terms, and I'd love to get your reaction to this. I often put it in the terms of the difference between um, pursuing a pathway that leads to abstinence or pursuing a pathway that leads to freedom. And I always say I always put them both in a positive light, because listen, <laughs> when you've been drowning in addiction, abstinence brings a type of joy. Yes. But, we all, but I always like to say it's a type of joy that doesn't really compare with the fullness of joy that you can have in pursuing a path of freedom.
1: I, I, I love that. I agree wholeheartedly. To me, one of my favorite stories, I referred to Lazarus earlier today. And, you know, when Lazarus came out of the grave, he was as, as alive as alive could be. He was no longer dead. He was alive. But there was a problem, and Jesus noted that problem. He couldn't really walk. He was alive. But he wasn't free. And Jesus could have done a lot of things there. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and the grave clothes came off. Jesus could have uh, taken him to a private place and kind of gotten the grave clothes off. But Jesus said, right here, I want you guys that are his friends, I want y'all to gather around him and I want you guys to walk through this process of taking the grave clothes off. And Mm -hmm. the reason for that was because Jesus knew that while Lazarus was alive, there's more to life, if you will. Than being alive, God wants us both alive and free. And I, I I love that analogy. I can be alive and sober, but I don't want to just be alive and sober. I want to be alive and free. Yeah, and that makes all the difference in the world. So with just
0: a little bit of time left, um, what would be some of the 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 words of hope and encouragement that you would give to any of our listeners out there that are feeling like, hey, they're they're still in the dark, they're still struggling, they're wondering, can I come? out and talk about these things. What would be your word of encouragement then also let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you and your ministry?
1: Absolutely. You know, I go back Jonathan I harp on this harp on this harp on this but secrecy kills, honesty heals. And so oftentimes when guys find themselves wrestling and struggling, I think probably one of the things that is going on there is they've not been fully honest with themselves mm-hmm. or they've not been fully honest with those around them. And so really asking God, God show me what I'm holding back. God God, let me see clearly what it is that I am not bringing to the table, uh, and I think that searching uh, and then being willing to trust God—that that, you know what I'm going to bring you these things and I'm going to I'm going to lay them on the table. There's a measure of faith yeah. in recovery that you know what I'm going to bring this junk and I'm going to trust that you're not going to reject me, that you're not going to ridicule me, that you're not going to chase me away, but you're going to you're going to bring me in and you're going to help me get those grave clothes off and you're going to walk with me uh, in such a way that I can truly experience life and freedom. And so I think that to me is, is uh, the, the foundational thing that I would say to a guy that's struggling. You know, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, the, the two big passions for us at HopeQuest and HopeQuest.us, HopeQuest.us is the best place to, to connect with us at. You know, our two big passions are small groups, uh, a safe place for men, and we have uh, really some of the best, uh, it used to be the only curriculum available for wives of men who struggle mm-hmm. with sexual addiction and sexual purity, uh, written by my wife. Uh, and um, those those support groups and that safe environment for us to be honest, authentic, and real uh, are super key. But sometimes, you know, support groups, intensives, counseling, and I'm still struggling. What am I supposed to do? So that's why we created the Trek program. And the Trek program is a is a 90-day intensive residential treatment program where we're going to look under the surface and we're going to get to the root causes. And and, uh, it's Christ-centered, but it's also clinically effective. All of our therapists are master's level licensed clinicians, uh, specifically trained and credentialed to work with addiction and sex addiction in particular. So those pieces uh, of what we do are are, are, our contribution to the body of Christ to say, you know what, we want to walk with, with men and with women, with husbands and with wives, because we want folks to experience not just life, but we want to, to experience freedom.
0: Yeah. So the website is hopequest.us, and our guest has been Troy Haas. And so, Troy, thanks again for being with us uh, these couple of episodes.
1: Likewise, Jonathan. So appreciate what you guys do at Be Broken.
0: Thank you. Well, listeners, we're always grateful for you, and we look forward to having you back here again next time with us on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.